Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. We're back with another great edition of Blunt Business on CannabisRia.com, and I'm looking forward to this interview today specifically because as on Blunt Business, we have opened the door. You know, there's no invisible door or anything like that. We have opened the door. We want transparency from all the organizations that are working collectively. I'd like to think on our behalf that the cannabis industry, once legalization is rolled out and passed, that those who have brought on the charge and have gotten to the ear of Washington, D.C. and our policymakers, that we want to know what they're looking to do and what they're looking to bring in. Because we are all, I'm sure some of us might have a little sense of skepticism or we might have just some curiosity as what all these organizations are doing. So we're going to focus on another organization that's also taking charge. Right now, my next guest is an experienced entrepreneur, venture capitalist, turnaround expert, board director, corporate leader, attorney, and former federal prosecutor. She represents an organization that will speak about looking to, quote, ensure that federal regulations are informed by and grounded in science, best business practices, sound public policy, and social justice principles. Joining me now is the founding partner of Artemis Holdings Group, LLC, and the founder and board chair for the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation, Sherry, Sherry Orlowitz joins me on Blunt Business. Sherry, thanks for joining us again. Oh, and thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here this afternoon or this morning, depending on when you're listening. Exactly. So I do want to make point for the listeners that uh, we initially went ahead and connected with you on Cannabis Radio back at the, it feels like forever, but it was just prior, only about three weeks before the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference in Miami, Florida, February 2019, and it was at that point you had launched, you were making the announcement for the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation. But before we get to all that, I want to get into a story that caught my eye, uh, a quote from an article that was basically a hit piece on cannabis from the Daily Beast. So I want to take this real quick and, and get your take on it. Now, quote, as an emerging industry with sky high revenue projections, lofty social justice promises and ground rules currently being written from scratch. No business in America prompts ready comparisons to Silicon Valley like legal cannabis. They speak about exponential growth fueled by the beginning of adult use sales in the East Coast states like New York and the potential of a legal national market as the U.S. Senate for the first time seriously debates federal legalization while California and Oregon businesses are being squeezed by high taxes, low margins, and oversupply as companies large and small rush to enter the frame. So, as I said, we've had a lot of organizations on. I will say that Daily Beast did a, a pretty, you know, proper summary of a lot of things that are going on within the industry. But I, again, like I said, I want to make it a point to be as transparent with organizations to bring them on the program as possible. So talk to me about what CSCR looks to accomplish based on what you just heard right there. Well, the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation is a little different than a lot of the other groups that you've brought on. Um, most of the groups out there are uh, concerned with federal legalization, as they should be. 
Right. Um, it's certainly the, the precursor to regulation. However, um, regulation, which is why we're called the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation, needs to be thought about in the early days of legalization so we don't end up with situa situations like we ended up in the hemp industry. And we ended up with a value which became a regulation which was impossible for hemp farmers and processors to um, attain. And we ended up in no small part as a result of that with a cratered hemp industry. So you've got to start thinking about regulations and especially the federal government. They're going to have to reimagine cannabis because for the last umpteen years, eight decades, it's been an evil weed. And in the last 20 years, uh, the federal government has spent close to $2 billion trying to research the ill effects of cannabis and why it's an evil weed. And it is a real turnaround and a turnabout to think of it differently. And certainly was for me as a federal prosecutor. Um, I still had that mentality 30 years later when I found myself in this position. And there's been a lot of things where various organizations have had their own issues or where, uh, their own policy prescriptions, if you will, that they've talked about. And when it comes to that example, the FDA and the implementation of the hemp bill and that the FDA, if they're in ways, anyway, involved in the cannabis legalization, where some organizations will say, we, we don't want the FDA to be necessarily involved. If they're going to be, it's going to be in an oversight fashion while the states can actually handle the implementation. And that's where I feel like things have happened here with, with hemp is that, you know, there's been not enough clarification, too many comments from the public. It's fine to get the commentary, but just to continue to kind of just kick the ball down the road and not really go ahead and lay out rules and regulations that's what we, that's what the, the the that industry needs which has not happened yet so that's something that is a parallel to what could happen with cannabis and that needs to be understood so in that same article sherry they also speak of criticisms of certain organizations who i will not mention and their intentions without discussing an organizations they may or may not have mentioned i wanted to get your point on a take that they made here quote in order to command a market and maximize profits, including a company's potential resale value, when bidders might include Amazon and Big Tobacco. The best way to make lots of money in weed is to ensure virtually nobody else can enter the game, end quote. So do you think this cr criticism that, by the way, I've also questioned about in regards to other corporate or industry interests, that I would also include alcohol in that same group, how does CSC look at those claims and should there be any cause for concern? Well, the industry isn't a monolith. So what you're saying absolutely exists. And hey, that's capitalism. Yeah. But this is a different type of industry. And I, I heard you say, yes, capitalism. And yes, we are a capitalistic society. Um, however, this industry looks at creating an industry in a very different fashion. It has a conscience, a social conscience, and yes. it has an environmental conscience. And these things are important to the people, certainly the advocates and other people in the industry. And a lot of companies are, if you want to call it lip service, call it lip service. But if you want to call it true values, I think that exists too. And I think those values will be carried forth in the legislation and implemented in the regulations. There's so much more to bring up. We're, let's go and take a break real quick now so we can follow back up. But this is one of those things where 
the social aspect for those that have been disenfranchised, those who have been wrongly incarcerated, you know, to make sure that the scheduling is part of this whole conversation, to make sure that opportunity zones and, you know, social equity licensees, all those things need to be included. And, you know, for the last five years covering this industry, just noticing the influx of Fortune 1000 C-level executives coming into the space and now corporations eventually with those people embedded into certain organizations, you know, the future of publicly traded companies, the future of large MSOs being put together coast to coast to make sure that the little man, that the smaller businesses, small business owners are going to be at the table in the conversation. That's why I always talk about here on the program. And again, this is where you make this point very clear, and I really appreciate that. So let's go ahead and move along into what's going on in the latest when it comes to legalization efforts or any kind of relief coming from Congress. I want to talk about that after a short break. And also, uh, we talked about the FDA. Well, it would be great to see organizations be able to go ahead and get direct communication to the FDA. And that's something that your Council of Federal Cannabis uh, Regulation is trying to do as well. We'll talk about that after a short break here with Sherry Orlowitz here on Blunt Business right after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Welcome back. I'm here on Blunt Business with Sherry, Sherry Orlowitz, founder and board chair for the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation. And just to give the website, it's uscfcr.org. Feel free to go and take a look at the website as we move along. Now, Sherry Congress is showing increasing signs of being supportive of cannabis than ever. Now, last year, we know the Democratic-controlled House passed a sweeping cannabis decriminalization bill. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has paired up with Democratic Senators Cory Booker and Ron Wyden to persuade legalizing and regulating. We have the push now for the CAOA that we've had ongoing, the attempt to add the Safe Banking Act into the National Defense Authorization Act, and most recently, an outreach to the Department of Justice and Attorney General Merrick Garland to deschedule. So we've seen the attempts here. If we can't get full-scale legalization rolled out or get it you know, to a vote, at least they're... Should the industry feel content if they're trying to get some relief from policymakers that there are some concessions that are trying to be made? Or should we really just wait for full-fledged legalization? Um, now, this is a personal opinion. I think full-fledged legalization at this moment might be a mistake. And I say that because we have no guardrails in place. Um, I think when something has been 
outlawed for eight decades, um, reinstituting its acceptance into society is a long road. And I think it will be a road that will last beyond this administration to be um, perfectly um, adept at reading the tea leaves. Yep. But however, I think that the safe banking bill that you mentioned will go a long way to help a lot of people in the industry. People are afraid of the safe banking bill. It is not our area of expertise, but it looks teed up to pass either this Congress or the next Congress. As you mentioned, it's going into conference committee now. Um, and it will um, have a lot of unintended consequences that we're all going to have to deal with. And as that occurs and as the money that becomes available from safe banking that everybody thinks is going to be um, a savior for the industry it remains to be seen. And so I am cautiously optimistic that the first passage will be the safe banking bill. I think the MACE bill and the CAOA, um, the Republican and the Democratic side of legalization, is a wonderful exercise in socialization and a discussion that will be had in the Senate and in the Congress and in the homes and by CFCR in front of the federal agencies for the next five to 10 years. And, you know, I actually just had another interview earlier today where we talked about Congresswoman Nancy Mace and what she's done in, term, in terms of her proposal. And we know that we had the States Act that was proposed by Elizabeth Warren, uh, Senator from Massachusetts, and Cory Gardner of Colorado. And all these, you know, and, and obviously even just, you know, uh, our current vice, pre our sitting vice president also putting, you know, a bill together in terms of uh, some kind of support to the cannabis industry. So, it's not as if we always see you know, there's there's support out there, but we're just waiting for somebody to come on board. And, you know, the one thing I guess we don't get enough of is it's hard to get answers when it comes to what are the policymakers saying once you have that contact with them? Because obviously there's certain things that can't be said because it has to be kept under wraps. But what can you tell me about the level of communication that you're that the council has with policymakers and um, any kind of information you can give us in terms of what the response is to uh, what, what policy prescriptions, policy prescriptions that you're looking to make or anything that might be added or taken out of their current, some current policy ideas. Okay. Well, I'll start with who we're communicating with. So we have communicated with the um, president's office, the executive office of the president. We've communicated with the FDA and we're preparing a letter right now for the HHS. All of this is um, focused on socializing the FDA right now, which um, from our vantage point is the starting part for legalization. The farm bill in 2018 place the legalization of cannabis, and I call it cannabis, and I call it low THC and high THC. It's the same plant, and low THC has been put squarely in the province of the FDA to regulate, and there are tens of thousands of products out there, and the FDA is all bollocked up with the drug exclusion rule and not being able to regulate because CBD has been used previously in um, as a single molecule in a drug called Epidiolex. And so folks have tried to come up with different ways of getting 
um, CBD formulas through. They call them hemp formulas, hemp extracts. There's been many attempts um, to get the agency to engage and say exactly what it wants. And I'm going to give you my, again, um, from our perch, what we see is a headless agency following up from a time when the administration, the prior administration was really not interested in the legalization of cannabis. I think that there was a lot of lip service given to it, but no movement was made. The FDA had sent um, guidance to the Office of Management and Budget where all things go before they're put out in the public and it never went any further. And with the uh, new administrator coming in, um, we hope, and we hope that Rob, Dr. Robert Califf is confirmed, um, the agency will again have direction and the um, good doctor is a gentleman who believes in the potential of um, what we used to call marijuana, which um, I would call high THC at this time. Mm-hmm. Now, you're making some good points. The one thing I'll tell you is that I always keep, and I've brought up here on Blunt Business on previous episodes, most recently, is that it comes down to no matter what policy there might be or whatever kind of laws that need to be made or need to be constructed within Congress, at this point, even just looking at the infrastructure bill that was passed and signed, when you look at all the concessions that were being made and what whatever side of you know the argument that you might that anybody might be in politically or just you know practically, it whatever bill that comes through through Congress now, where there's so much division right now, there is no supermajority on either side. So to put a bill together that will have everything included. That will be an issue, I think, that when if we do have legalization to roll out, if we can get the bill up to vote, you want to have a supermajority, period, to make sure that everything stays included and certain things are not taken out. So even right now, that's my issue with that. Plus, the other thing, too, is to keep an eye, keep an eye on not just how the hemp bill was implemented, but when it comes to legalization, what Canada did. When it was federal, when it was not just federal oversight, it was federal enforcement. And so we want to make sure is that, at least for me, I would want it that we continue to have it just like where the state act looks in. It's state enforcement with federal oversight. That's what I would like things. I think that's the, that's the best direction to go overall. What would you say? Um, I think the federal government and the federal agencies need to set minimum standards. And I'm going to give you an example using the FDA, which we just spoke about. If um, the patchwork of laws in the various states um, remain the governing law throughout, then interstate commerce is going to be very difficult. Now, the FDA's jurisdiction only comes into place when you're dealing with interstate commerce, because all of a sudden you've entered into the federal reign. And generally speaking, the FDA provides minimum standards for the states. The states can enact more strict standards or stricter standards, rather. And the FDA, as much as everyone would like it to go away, isn't going anywhere because it has a federal obligation to protect the public safety. And whatever that means to people, the FDA will have a hand in ensuring that, and we want them to have a hand in ensuring that cannabis, both hemp and marijuana, 
or whatever we're calling it, as I call it, low and high dose THC right. are safe, that consumers know what they're getting and that they get what they're being told they're getting on the label. And those things are critical to a safe and healthy cannabis industry. In the October 24th weekly newsletter, we've been talking about the FDA, you've brought it up several times, so let's go ahead and put a little more context to it, that the CFCR is working to communicate with the FDA in order to establish guidelines for hemp cannabinoids to further progress the legal pathway forward. Quote, at CFCR, we are moving full steam ahead on our enormous mission as we position ourselves for our first meeting with the FDA, given the news of President Biden officially nominating Dr. Robert Califf for FDA commissioner. You're, the council said, quote, our goal is to firmly establish our reputation as a proven solutions provider. We believe we hold a key to unlocking FDA regulatory actions, and the next se several months are crucial, end quote. So you've mentioned the, the, the making that communication branch possible. Any little bit of insight you can give us in terms of what are some of the, any of the talking points that you're looking to go and have with uh, Dr. Caleb once he is uh, put in place as FDA commissioner, as it looks like he will be? Well, first, the drug exclusion rule needs to be waived. Um, that is a rule I think I mentioned before. If it is a drug, then it no longer can be um, over the counter, easily said. Right. Uh, the CBD molecule that was used was used in Epidiolex, which has um, been an incredibly effective medicine for folks that have seizures. It's also given in incredibly high doses, not what you would get over the counter. So after, and, and we do believe, and uh, the government has given us every reason to believe that the drug exclusion rule will be waived. There are also two bills in Congress, one in the Senate, one in the House, also seeking for the waiver of the drug exclusion rule. So once that is waived, and that is part of the reason we're writing to HHS, then FDA can get about the business of regulating. Now, folks have been coming in with safety studies left and right. Um, lots of safety studies that are nice to know, but not need to know. And by that, I mean not following FDA protocol, not being done by a third party, the type of toxicological studies that the FDA wants. Now, therein lies the problem. People don't know what the gaps are. Uh, so we plan to um, bring to the FDA toxicological studies that have been done internationally um, as a starting point instead of starting from ground zero. Right. I can't give all of the detail of our strategy, but that's a big one. And it's being done um, by a third party. Actually, the work we're gonna bring to them has all been done by third party organization, toxicological organizations. And that's been a hard thing to deal with is the fact of getting research to these government bodies to help further support, you know, what's going on and, you know, to give credibility to those international studies when there's limitations on the amount of research and development can be done in the states. And what has been allowed has been very limited. There's only so much that can be done in terms of how much can, uh, how much product can be used for testing and research and being able to go put the kind of reports and the kind of case studies that need to be made to overwhelm any any reason to go ahead and create more favorable conditions, favorable regulations. I want to come back and talk more about the structure of the CFCR and who the, the wonderful people you've brought together, who we you've called board observers, that have been brought into the fray to go ahead and help 
in this cause. So I want to talk about that after a short break. I'm here again with Sherry Orlowitz, founder and board chair of the Council for Federal Cannabis Regu- Regulation. Again, the website is uscfcr.org, O-R-G. We're back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm back uh, with final questions with Sherry Orlowitz, founder and board chair for the Council of Federal Cannabis Regulation. And Sherry, I want to just ask about that. CFCR has assembled a 40-person organization, including an eight-person science and regulatory advisory committee comprised of three PhD scientists, a world-renowned big data expert, FDA lawyers and researchers, as well as a variety of other professionals and disciplines to work with the FDA on the regulation of cannabinoids. So, uh, who can you tell me about some of the people that you've brought on that you've amassed thus far or your the council's amassed so far uh, in terms of expertise and in terms of uh, advocacy? Well, one of the things we set out to do is to create a world-class objective organization. Um, while we are advocates for the cannabis industry, we are not a cannabis organization. And okay. the folks that populate CFCR come from all walks of life. Um, they come from Arnold and Porter, Prime Policy, uh, Coca-Cola, University of California. The idea, again, and almost like cannabis in common, is um, there's a lot of interest and a lot of perspectives and a lot of high-level perspectives that need to be brought to the table. And so we have painstakingly assembled folks um, like Vicki, like Rona Applebaum, who was a decade at the Coca-Cola company, and before that she was um, at Wine and Chocolate Trade Associations, and Paleen Thorogood, who comes to us from the University of California and is involved in one of the biggest uh, CBD studies, uh, CBD and insomnia, and um, Reggie Gaudino, who is a cannabinoid scientist. And in engaging with the FDA, we don't engage with the FDA as lawyers and, or, or um, patients. We engage with them as scientists, as one of them speaking their language, understanding what they're looking for and presenting information in the way they need. So that is the first place we have built our largest committee, which is the Science and Regulatory Affairs Committee. And um, we have several other committees, but our first committee to engage is, as I say, the Science and Regulatory Affairs Committee, and it is um, ready and able to help the FDA and provide tools for the FDA to begin to regulate, regulate cannabis, because the only thing 
that is not legal today that is cannabis is THC. Mm-hmm. Now, All the, of the rest of the cannabis, cannabis plant is legal and is sitting in FDA's court to regulate. And that is a huge job. Yes, it is. And that is the job we have undertaken. So I, I want to make sure that listeners go back and listen uh, to an episode of Plant Prophets you were featured on uh, with Vern Davis. Uh, it would have been from February 2019, and it was during the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference uh, in Miami. I would definitely tell you to go ahead and check, take a look, listen back to that content. I remember listening to it, and um, so many different things coming on as the announcement of the CSCR was coming to light. Uh, one of the other, the other, some of the other committees you actually have as well being that have been assembled is a corporate and business committee, a legal, government, and re- relations committee, and a diversity and social equity committee, each led by best in class experts in their respective industries. Well, it's been a couple of years removed. Talk to me about the progress so far you've made and who are some of the people that you've been uh, very lucky to bring on board. Well, let me start with the business committee, which is uh, the founder of that committee, in other words, and our chair is Bruce Litton. And I believe if you have cannabis listeners out there, they would have to be listening. Um, they must know Bruce Litton pretty well. Yes. Um, he yes. was one of our rock stars in the industry and created quite the buzz for many years. Um, his efforts are going to be um, supplemented by, I'm talking with three people now, which I cannot announce, but sure. the committee, the business committee, aside from looking to understand from ground up the issues that strangle innovation and growth in the in, in the cannabis industry, we're also going to be looking at grants and a for-profit arm for CFCR because the goal right now of the organization is to become self-sustaining within three to five years. Mm-hmm. And it's a very novel approach to a new nonprofit. But I, we have some great ideas and we have some really exciting people that I wish I could share with you that I think are going to come aboard on this exploration of um, self-sufficiency. Now, is there anything you can tell me, any little bit of focus we could put on in terms of uh, public policy and social justice in terms of the social equity community that you have uh, assembled? You know, I have always been bothered by the, so, and many of us have, by the problems that have come forward with social equity licensing. And, and states in, in, in several states have taken some um, interesting counsel to try to deal with it. For example, New York is um, going to create a um, pool of properties that will be available to social equity Um, applicants, which is pretty amazing because Mm -hmm. one of the biggest, um, I would say, hurdles for social equity applicants today in getting licenses from states is the fact that you can't secure the property that you need to either uh, grow, uh, um, extract, or sell. So that's an example of what the state is doing. What we're doing is um, trying to highlight that with the burden of regulation comes the benefits of the federal government. And we are very much um, focused on grants and loans and equity that the United States government can provide. And we have brought in a couple of people from HHS, very high up. One gentleman founded a half a billion dollar, half a billion, excuse me. Um, Yes, half a billion dollar venture capital fund and oversaw $2.1 trillion worth of grants, both at HHS. 
another person who's coming in set up the National Drug Port with grants from SAMHSA and DOJ. And so we're going to be looking into those grants um, and try to help the members of our organization as well as the industry to be aware of what grants and what money the government is going to be giving out there. And most importantly, um, our engagement with the SBA, the Small Business Administration. The SBA can do so much to help small business. I have had the pleasure of being a presidential appointee to oversee the SBA in the early part of 2000s, 2003 to 2006. I'm really very well aware of how much the SBA can bring to this industry in terms of loans, in terms of grants, and in terms of equity. And that's something that we want to do to be able to help those that are underserved or have and want the opportunity to have their own business and a piece of the American dream, we wanna make that possible. And that is a a big initiative um, that will start to roll out in March of next year. I'm trying to wrap around my my head of a $2.1 trillion grant. And no, grants, 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 and and ah. not just for cannabis. This is HHS has a basket of $2.1 trillion. Um, a lot of it uh, was and is for fighting pandemics, but there's money in there, um, depending on how you interpret the grants, um, that can be used for cannabinoid research and other right. ancillary things. No, no. Thank you for clarifying that. It's just that for me, it's like, you know, you always ask, oh, how much, where are our tax dollars go? Well, okay, the tax dollars that they're being collected, let's put them into in the in, being used for the right things. And this is where making sure that somebody that has a very much a wherewithal of what's going on and the kind of money that, that the federal government has for allocation is being spent wisely and properly and in and, and a reasonable amount of time expeditiously. So that's, that's what I have for you. Sherry, thank you again for making time to go and talk to us. And uh, for those who would be interested in our listeners uh, that would like to go and participate, be involved or any businesses that would like to also, you know, be able to go and put their, be able to go and be involved in CSCR. Uh, please tell listeners how they can do that. Oh yes, um, please by all means. First, go as has been suggested to our website, US. That's United States. USCFCR.org. And get in contact with us there, either Sarah, our executive director, or Rachel, or one of us, including me, will be back to you. Um, and we welcome you. Um, we are a nonprofit. We need the help of other people to accomplish the goals that you have, um, whether it be, well, there are too many to name. Right. <laughs> and we hope people can be directed to that. And uh, again, I really do appreciate you taking time out to go and talk to us. Uh, and Let's continue to keep this conversation going and doors always open to bring you on back. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. So again, I've been joined with Sherry Orlowitz, founder and board chair for the Council for Federal Cannabis Regulation, USCFCR.org. Thank you again for being on with us. And thank you listeners for listening to another great edition of Blunt Business. Make sure you go and subscribe. Make sure you also rate and review where you can, whether it's on Amazon Music or Audible or Apple Podcasts, but of course, all our all of our podcasts, all of our previous episodes are also on Spotify and on iHeartRadio. And we thank you for listening.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, Features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts. Or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.